0: This is Talking Stations, a show about EVE Online. I am your host, Artemis, Aljo- Artemis Albosa, excuse me, and joining me on the station today, I was so excited, I wanted to get straight into their introductions, our special guest for this episode, Rehan of HighSec by Backfane.
1: Happy to be on the show. Thank
0: and you for we are much. super excited to have you, I'm very glad that you accepted our invitation. Also joining us on the panel, we have Nick Bison, manning the engineering station and joining in with his wonderful commentary
2: hey good day and happy sunday to all this should be fun
0: fun indeed and also on the panel today we have Gregorin from pandemic legion good afternoon I, it... well it's morning for me what time is it for the rest of you Rihan? I, I detected an accent there what part of the world are you from
1: uh, That is a German accent i'm here in berlin in germany and it's 6 pm our time before we get too far into the high-sec
0: buyback thing, I do want to quickly do a plug. It is currently the 24th, Sunday, October 24th, and in two days on October 26th, there's going to be a mass test on Singularity. They're going to be testing out some of the things which were announced at Eve Vegas, which today is the final day of E Vegas. So if you want to go check out some audio things, maybe hear Eve's audio for the first time, or at least what it will become soon TM, go check in with that. Uh, help CCP in the development process while you're at it. But with that little plug out of the way, let's jump in. Oh, the oh, oh not,
2: not oh, quite oh, out, of no. not out of the way. Hold on. No, just one thing I wanted to add, if you all don't mind, is uh, oh, also there's rules for the test server. And a lot of we had a, a spirited discussion about that not long ago in the uh, Discord. And a lot of folks don't realize it is a non-PVP server unless you're in MTACO or you arrange it ahead of time with whomever you're fighting with. But they have the test server rules. Before you hop over there, just give them a glance. Now I'll shut up.
3: Yeah, the test server is a useful resource, and I'd hate to see people uh, breaking the rules enough that CCP decides it's not worth letting us have access to it anymore, except when they need something tested.
0: Only play on Singularity. I forget what the group's name was, and I think there were a couple of them back in the day who all they did was play on CC. And especially after the mirrors would happen, they'd buy up all the stuff from the markets before like purple modules were heated and stuff. But a tangent for another day, perhaps. If it's safe to uh, to jump into our top story, so let's let, go. Ahead let's go.
2: It. Let's go. Sorry.
0: <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar, if you haven't seen the ads on our show for weeks now, um, HiSec buyback. It is the fastest and I would dare say the largest buyback service in all of New Eden. Uh, It extends its buyback program to all of HiSec and a buyback program is basically you have stuff, they will buy it from you. It's not market orders. You're not selling to a buy order. Rather, you're placing a contract to a character or a corporation alliance, something like that, and they will purchase that from you at a price. Highsec buyback advertises a base rate of 90 percent G to buy with some variation depending on the products. And that's the general sort of high-level what you may already know, Rehan. If there's anything like something you wish people knew about Highsec buyback that I didn't mention, what
1: would it be?: It's a c- tough question to get started. Um, right now, I think we're just working on letting people know that there is a service which they can use. And where they can get a price to see, hey, do I want to hold that myself? Do I want to invest that time to get it to a market, or do I want to be lazy and just continue doing whatever I've been doing before and drop their trash on us? Um, yeah, if you have trash sitting around anywhere, just throw it on us. We'll take care of it.
0: Well, I mean, one man's trash is another man's treasure, or at least yeah, part yeah, of the treasure hoard.
1: Good <laughs> <Could laughs> profit we don't ask questions where your stuff come from. So we have a bunch of courier uh, contracts also coming from the Uedama region. No questions asked.
3: I have uh, an idea where that might have come from.
2: <laughs> now, one, was... one of the things I noticed on, on your high spec buyback, because I've used it a couple of times, and a couple of uh, folks I, I travel with have used you a lot, and they really like it. Um, and it's got that 90% GDA buy price as the base. And what I didn't realize the first time I used it because I wasn't paying attention, depending on the item or type of item, it can be considerably less um, because of bulk. I mean, obviously, minerals and I have the Tritanium up there comes in at like 66% because I don't have to haul it myself. You do. Um, how, what's your method th- thought on that whole thing?
1: So we started with a 90% JIDA buy base rate so that we have some leeway to get it hauled to JIDA because that's where our price is based on. Sometimes we can diverge it to other hubs and make a bit of profit there or just save on hauling. Uh, for example, if you want to get, I think, 84 million units of Pyrite, which come out about 600 million ISK to, from Ashap to Perimeter, that costs you about 50 million with Red frog. So there goes about ten percent of what you would make. Um, as we do that across the board with many items, we don't always lose ten percent, but we can have cheaper options as well. And that's where this lower rate for tritanium comes from. That we decide, hey, we need to make sure that we can still efficiently and economically hold the stuff. So we impose a volume fee on certain items so if your item is very large for example a t1 industrial uh, if you want to you can check the badger for example that comes out at a very low price maybe two or three percent so that's one of the worst items um, because it's just so expensive to get that hauled across the universe
0: and then haul whatever scraps come from it. I know there used to be a service I used in my mission running days where they would purchase your salvage, and some of the salvage and missing loot wasn't valuable to sell in module form, but you could reprocess it, and the minerals were more valuable than the module itself. Is that something that you guys do as well?
1: I just recently learned about that, like one or two months ago. And since then, I started uh, building filters in JIDA uh, where... So we funnel all our stuff to Perimeter because there you can get cheap offices for 25 million compared to 5 billion in JIDA. And just recently figured out, oh, you can actually reprocess these, reprocess these items cheaper and plan to roll that out into our other hubs. To That's then awesome. Then reprocess that there where we have out. Uh, the general model of our service is we take items in any station in HiSec, And I think right now we have items located in over 1,600 citadels and stations. Some of them will probably never move because if you have 10 million worth of items somewhere, that is so far down the list compared to other stations that might have 10 billion in assets that you're never going to get to it. Uh, yeah, And from those stations, we hot that into... Uh, Ashup, which is next door to Amar, into Rens, Heck, DoDixie, and from there, then the way up to Perimeter and Chita. Right on.
0: We're, we're, we're glancing past so many questions that I have. I, I hope we have time to get through them all. Top on my list is scale. So you are offering this buyback program to all of HiSEC. You've mentioned you've got items in thousands of systems. How do you manage that many items, that many systems, and bringing it all into one place? I want to first start with the hauling aspect because we brought it up before. At this scale, at this volume of hauling, how does that work? Do you do it yourself? Do you contract out? Are there like backroom deals going on? Are you are you paying the sticker price for Red Frog? What? How does this work?
1: Yeah, uh, Red Frog push. If you want to have a backdoor deal, back deal with me, I'll be happy to do something there. Um so we make use of pretty much all the courier methods that you could imagine. We have an internal team running Couriers where we work with collateral base rewards plus a weekly, daily, monthly bonus on top. And it's crucial to have an internal team for that, like people helping to accept contracts when you maybe wanna sleep and still keep up a uh, fast acceptance speed. And then Really depending on the volume of the stuff and the prices we get out of certain providers, including Redfrog, Push, Black Frog, Purple Frog, uh, GH, SOL, Galactic Holding Solutions, they have a flat rate to get your um stuff jump rated for two hundred ten million across New Eden, which can be very competitive compared to Push or even Black Frog. And yeah, from there, um, we have some scripts running which tell us, hey, you have this much in this station. This provider makes more sense here, gets you the cheapest route. And you mentioned uh, how do you make sense of having thousands of stations uh, with items? It's our biggest tool that we use is JEF Assets. So thanks so much for uh, the developer who built that because we can use the tree view, then sort that by value, and then we only have to look at the top items. And depending on how much time you have on a given day, you create 10 couriers, you create a hundred couriers and you get some of that stuff done. And the rest that is just in the bottom where one stage might have 5 million assets, you just don't get there. And it doesn't really make sense because at the end, uh, it's all about keeping liquidity.
0: Right on. Let's, let's talk about that liquidity for a moment. I know everybody has got it at the top of your mind. How much ISK do you have in your wallet right now if you're running this program?
1: Um, I think I checked an hour ago and we were at 130 billion ISK spread over a couple of wallets. Uh, we have a team of four people who accept contracts who all have their own wallets in the corporation. Um... But the liquidity uh, bounces between, I would say, 20 billion and 200 billion. 100 billion might sound like much, but it's only much if you can actually use it. And we use that is to stop playing for a few days or stop playing so much as we would have in order to keep it running if we only have 20 billion in the bank. Because if you have a bunch of ISK in your bank, you don't have to create couriers and sell stuff every day in order to keep accepting contracts and that's what hopefully helps us not burn out in the long run
0: so do i understand correctly then that the limiting factor on sort of the the speed through which you would burn through your contracts it's not there aren't assets coming in it's you don't have the time to get it all contracted and hauled to Jita to sell again like you have you have more assets than you could ever possibly go
1: through is that right yes yes So, as I mentioned, the 1,600 stations that we have assets in, never going to haul all of that, just trying to skim off the majority from the top, get that to perimeter, try to stack it up a bit so that we don't create sell orders for just 20 million of items worth, but maybe 200 or 400 million to, again, make it a bit more efficient to uh, use the time better so that we have enough time and energy to create, uh, accept all those contracts that are coming in where well, i can also tell you we checked that uh, i checked that an hour ago we have about 600 to 900 contracts per week coming from about 250 individual characters that's roughly the scale that we operate at that's pretty awesome
2: one of the things i know sorry for interrupting is how simple your website is to use i really like just how clean it is on you know just appraise it create the contract and you're good to go you know and it's just it seems i don't know who thought it up or decided to do it that way but it's just a clean quick interface and i do appreciate that it's not gussied up.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was one of the major goals that we had to keep it as simple as possible. Um, comparing that to other forum posts we've seen, where there are a bunch of rules, you need to figure out, okay, where's the stuff, what pricing applies there, yada, 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 the whole chain, uh, which is also why we're still accepting any contracts in HiSEC Islands. So even if you have your stuff there, we try to keep it so simple that we can say HiSEC instead of saying HiSEC. But only mainland. Like even getting it shorted without the part saying, "Hey, just high sec." If it's 0.5 above, we take it. We're making a change to that right now, uh, is which is about um, bulky items, as I mentioned before, titanium and pyrite. We had people dropping like five billion worth of pyrite on us, where we then need, I think, twenty-ish. Uh, push X contracts which again at the end put out as a put out put us at a one billion or so loss. And there we're making a change that we might reject certain contracts from Isaac islands. You have that simple tool, you put in your stuff, you get a warning or two and you can just send us any contract. If it's bad we'll let you know, but there's no punishment in sending us bad contracts. Except if you're trying to scam us. Then we might put you on a block list.
0: Oh man! Then I gotta know how. How are people <laughs> scamming you? What is? Are they like? What are they doing?
1: Um, early days uh, when our pricing model was not as refined yet, we had people putting up buy orders which you couldn't f- fulfill in Gita. And for example, if you have an item that has usually buy orders at a thousand isk and other, and then sell orders start at like ten thousand isk, they would put up a buy order, let's say four thousand isk, which is structured in a way that you can't actually fulfill it. Or they just cancel it before we could get the stuff there. And that was interesting. You could really try, OK, I'm going to accept this contract now. And then I bet within the next two minutes that item is gone. I do two jumps forth, two jumps back. Ah, OK, that buy all is gone. Because um, our appraisal uh, uses, again, other appraisal tools. So thank you very much to Eve appraisal and Janice there. Who build really great tools that again have an API, so we can have all those automated workflows in there, and they can be manipulated by or can be manipulated by by orders. So that's one of the ways we got scammed in the past, um which is just a part of doing business. People figure out how to game it, then we try to counteract that.
0: Right, and I didn't even like when I think ninety percent G to buy. I don't think G to buy as the Jita buy as this is what something is worth. (laughs) It doesn't even cross my mind that that is something which could be readily manipulated for or even at a scale that would be profitable. But now that I remember, now that you mentioned it, that used to be a really big deal with high value items like officer mods. It was a popular Jita scam where people would put an officer mod on contract and then they would put up a buy order but didn't have the ISK in their wallet to fulfill it. So they would sell these contracts for an overpriced officer mod or something. And then if you tried to sell it to the buy order, it would fail because they couldn't fulfill their end of the buy order. So they just sold an incredibly overpriced module. But that could even impact
1: your tools in the markets. And that's that's insane. That that story that you mentioned hurts a bit because I remember falling for one of those scams as well. Oh. So we all have to be on both sides, making scams, getting scammed. At the end, it should balance out, hopefully. <laughs> you earlier asked about what I would like people to know, and one thing that we have to deal with on a somewhat regular basis with newer players is the estimated price in the item hanger. CCP builds something like that, but it's so off from the reality, because sometimes if people are in one of the southern regions, uh, south from Ammar or so, they... Get a price that is oriented on somewhat but if they move it to Amar they wouldn't even get that price or nonetheless move it up to Jita, and having to explain people yeah that thing you see in the game is actually wrong you're never going to get that price feels a bit difficult to explain without insulting the de- game developer saying hey you're doing a bad thing there and then trying to explain to people hey That's how we build the price, that's how markets usually work, that's why this pricing is a bit off, that's why our price is different. So that's something where I would say people don't trust the estimated price in-game, but rather um, some independent third-party tools. Like, even if you don't trust us, use Eve Appraiser, use Genes, and see if that price makes sense to you.
0: I can definitely understand where that that would be frustrating to you guys. But for me, who doesn't have to have that conversation of explaining it to the new player, I'm super happy that it's creating that opportunity, that teachable moment to them, because you may have a a new player who goes in and they're doing whatever they're running missions and they get some sort of loot that they think is incredibly valuable to them, or they're trying to haul stuff and they realize that it doesn't match up. And I'm glad they're learning that lesson and you're willing to teach them that lesson in a much more friendly and probably less harmful environment than they could later on down the line of the game. So that's that's a really cool opportunity to have, and I'm glad that you guys are taking the time to explain that to them.
1: I do you know, want one to talk the, a bit. I
0: was Go going to say
2: one of the things, uh, you know, and I just popped it on the screen that illustrates what he's talking about very well. If you just, you know, uh, as far as the different markets, if you use that appraisal tool, you can. a lot of folks didn't know this you can change the location what it you know so if you go to dodixie i'm going to get a lot less to start with on the buy order side so you can change your locations and see uh, where your pricing falls so that's just a, a handy way of looking at it
0: I'm really curious as to how this program got started. You mentioned that you're relying on a bunch of different tools and all these different pieces sort of have to come together to make this program possible. Is it a thought that you've had in your head for years and just all the pieces finally fell into place? How How did it
1: first get started? Um, I would start by acknowledging that uh, I didn't invent this thing. That's something a bunch of alliances and bigger player groups had way before I even started playing EVE um i would loop back a bit into my earlier eve experience so uh, after starting out in highsec i joined brave for a while before they got evicted from catch then been with pandemic horde a bit and there started having an idea about an kind of delivery service where people say hey i want these kind of items and we would get them to them within 24 hours or so and that was one of the first experiences where I got to do a bunch of coding and learn that way, but also learn about how you can quickly burn yourself out and start not enjoying the game as much anymore. So really around what kind of promises can you make to people and are you willing to hold those promises for a for long time. long time? Um, after that, I uh, eventually got back to Brave Newbies, where I kind of considered my home to be. and with those uh, coding skills that I developed there um, I've been trying some other kind of supply methods like getting uh, industry folks basic uh, necessities like their minerals or some gas or so that they would need at a rather lower price than having to import it from Gita themselves and again having to have that wait time of seven or so days. Uh, where I was trying to fight a bit with one of the elite industry groups within Brave. And that eventually got me noticed by one of the buyback programs within Brave that said, hey, that guy seems like he can build websites. Let's get him in to get some kind of calculator. So that was where I would then build the first calculator, trying to have pretty much the same as you see with our website right now, the same concept where you put in a bunch of items, you copy that from your item hanger and you get a price out. And also for the management aspect behind that to call Eve's API, get the contracts, see what is in those contracts, appraise that again and see if the price matches up with what we would expect within a certain margin of error, about three or four percent. Because prices tend to move all the time. And by the time you do that API call and the cash expires. Uh, prices may move already and that has been my first experience with running a buyback in nullsec where you need to do lots of jump freighting around and so on and eventually i got myself burned out again and at a later point then just moved back to highsec said okay i'm going to chill here for a bit and then this idea came up again hey how about you run another business here in HiSec? um maybe a buyback where you can outsource as much as possible to really reduce the level that you have to put in and that's how i then in august 2020 ended up being a bit bored we all were at home thought hey maybe just start this let's see if i can spend enough time on that and that has really helped through a lot of the boredom and i think without the pandemic i might also have blown myself out already again and yeah, from there, it was crucial to get a team around you where um, you could also say, okay, I'm going to be on holiday for a week. You just need to make sure that enough cash is in the bank, and then they take over from there. So, wow, right. yeah, also a big shout out to the team, all the haulers, and especially the core team that's been with me a bit longer, uh, being Krobert, Trucker, and Grima, who also runs the low buyback now. So... If you haven't heard yet, we have other branches trying to expand into other areas of space. And don't uh, judge me if that's wrong, but I think Losec Buyback said that they would also start serving Poshman home systems. Not sure what that means.
2: Do they have a a website up already or are they working on it?
1: Um, Just like highsec.evebuyback.com, the Losec version runs on lowsec.evebuyback.com. Uh, There's no information about the Pochman variant yet, but they also have a Discord, which I don't know if that's linked on their website or not. I run that website, so I should know, but I haven't been well prepared on that topic. Okay, that is it.
2: It is LosecBuyback.com. I just pulled it up on the screen.
0: Oh, I know exactly what's up with Misava. Okay, what's up with Masaba, Gregorin? To to clarify, we went to LowSec to buyback and they say they're accepting contracts from every LowSec system except and they have a link to a Google spreadsheet. And there's one listed one listed system in this spreadsheet, and it's Masaba.
3: Misaba is an asset safety system. Southern NullSec uh, goes to Masaba. So that and there are a few people who like to camp uh asset safety stations and we will try to shoot anything that undocks from those stations. And Misaba is home to one of the more obsessed groups of, that do that, domain research and mining.
1: Yeah, that's where those problems come from. Lost a couple of ships there and eventually had to say, OK, that system might not be on the list anymore.
0: When you first mentioned the low-sec buyback, my first thought was, Fantastic. All of those asset safety systems are now just a wealth of new customers for you. Anytime a null group gets evicted, it's a payday.
1: Uh, we've seen that actually with uh, the war between TEST and Imperium ending. I think that's also one or two weeks before we started running advertisements on your show here. We got a huge load of ships fitted in all the different ways. You could really see whole Doctrine hangars coming in and landing at the southern parts of Hoisek, uh, where we then had, I think, I hope I'm not overboasting here, but I think at one point we made up 30% of Red Frog's queue. Get called out on that being absolutely wrong, but that's what I have in the back of my head.
0: Much coming in the near future. NullSec is sort of already serviced by individual alliances or the, the groups that are there. When you think about what's next, is there a larger vision? Is it about sustainability and scale and keeping the train moving? Like when you think to the future of high-sec buyback and this thing that you're building, what does that future look like?
1: Yeah, so that's two parts. Uh, I personally focus on making the operation more sustainable to be able to take uh, to having spend less time on the game every day just to prevent burnout in the future. My personal goal here is to have enough cash in the bank for sustaining four weeks of service. And we're way far away from that. Um, While the core team that is running the service with me, they don't have that uh, kind of topic to cover. And that's where the expansion into LowSec then came from. Now also looking at Poshlan. And uh, Grima, who is running the Losec buyback, I think he's also looking into serving NPC Nolsec. So while that we're would be to Focus on keeping the main thing running and making that sustainable to also be able to fund other ventures a bit. Uh, the core team then looks into expanding to other regions.
3: I was wondering if you were going to do NPC nullsec, since there are a lot of smaller groups that out there that don't really have enough uh, infrastructure for their own bu- alliance buybacks,
1: but. A logistical nightmare to do nullsec because um, in highsec it's quite easy you just run freighters around you can afk them if you want to unless uh, if you're not above the certain uh, threshold in terms of asset value with lowsec that becomes a tri- bit trickier and in nullsec you even get bubbled so you yeah. might be running fully on jump freighters where i think the price recently increased to 14 or 15 billion and that's just nuts by now
0: Let's talk about your team a little bit. You've mentioned, I think, three or four core people who are helping you sort of expand the tech or expand it in new areas. What's the team behind HiSec buyback look like?
1: I think about eight or nine people who are in our holding group who process uh, smaller contracts into the individual hubs. So for example, if we get some items in Zinker, which is in the south of uh, HiSec, They help to ship that into Amar and shop, from where we then do the large-scale couriers to Red And there we, at times, have like internally 200 or 300 couriers pending that they crunch through whenever they want to play the game, when they want to hold stuff. So we're keeping that on a very relaxed model to say, hey, if you have time and you want to do something, you can make a bit of IS, but there's zero pressure. And from there, we then have the core team who have roles to access wallets and manage contracts and so on. And they help with accepting contracts for our customers to, again, increase the speed a bit over all the time zones that we're active at. And we're currently working on expanding that for creating couriers as well which requires you to give access to a corporation deliveries, which suddenly gives you access to hundreds of billions in assets around you even. So that's something that we're still working on. I still have trust issues. They will probably never go away, but at one point it's just like, okay, if I want this thing to continue, I have to bite the apple there and say, okay, I'm going to trust you folks fully on that, that you're not going to raid all the 1,600 stations in one day and steal everything. Uh, yeah, so that's something where we have to expand those duties a bit further.
0: I mean, if I can be the devil on your shoulder, even if they stole it all, they couldn't sell it all. You can't even sell it all. And you have a whole team behind <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. One
2: of um, kind of one of the things you brought up uh, was on the trust issue. Absolutely. I'm with you. Um, how does that, you know, like like say uh, independent, fairly new player, that, or maybe not, that has been hauling their own stuff around and would like to get in and be one of your haulers. Is there like an application process? Who do they talk to? How would they get involved in your program?
1: Yeah, so we have a Discord uh, where we help our customers a bit if they have questions and where we also organize us internally. You can find the link to that Discord on our isec.evebuyback.com website. And from there, just ask in general, we have like a little application form where we try to figure out, okay, what capabilities do they already have? Does that match the contracts that we usually do? And then it's just basic courier hauling. So, you know, public couriers where you can create a courier from, let's say, Amar to JIDA, you can set a certain reward, you can set a certain collateral. And we do that internally as well with our corporation where we create couriers to our corporations, which are only accessible if you're a member of that corporation. And then you can all those things. And for every contract uh, courier that you complete, you participate in the daily, weekly, and monthly bonus payments. Just start doing that for a while. And then we have a look at which time zones we need more coverage with people accepting contracts, which are already well covered. And then we promote people into uh, management roles there so that's usually how this works and some people come in they all for a while they get inactive that's totally fine as well if you want to do other things more then just do those and also you don't need to join our core with your main an alpha which can accept contracts and then recontract them to your main that also works fine Do you think you're ever
0: going to reach the sort of scale where you begin to like rival the volume of Red Frog or of PushX internally? My mind instantly is going to like Amazon here, where initially they were utilizing UPS, FedEx, other like last mile delivery services. But then you're seeing Amazon branded vans everywhere. Now they're not using them anymore. Is that is that going to happen with you guys
1: and PushX and Red Frog? I don't know yet. So far, PushX and Redfrog have been incredibly reliable. And just one thing that might become an issue if we create so many couriers that Redfrog and Pushex can't uh, process them all anymore um, is that there's a contract, uh, outstanding contract limit from your character. Which, if you have it scaled up all the way, you can create up to sixty couriers for your corporation. You can again have many outs in your corporation to push that limit a bit. Uh, so that each of the characters can create 60 couriers. But internally, within a corporation, you can instantly create up to 500 couriers. That's one of the very interesting pieces when you have lots of small couriers uh, for that. But I think over the long time, we will be using both all the time, because our internal couriers specialize more in... We, for example, have AMAR, and then there are 10 to 15 systems around that, which all have small packages. And our hoarders can just go from one station to another, to another, another, pick up seven packages along the way, drop them all in AMAR, and rinse and repeat. While uh, Red Frog and pushes are more of a point A to point B hoarding. Mm, we don't have rules around that, which has hurt us in the past. But it's usually just like recommendations of don't haul more than 100 million in a T1 industrial. Maybe don't put more than 2 billion in a freighter if you're using that. But we're trying to educate people who join us on what limits are good and then they get to make their own decisions if they want to exceed that. We set up an internal SRP program as well, but we never have used that so far. So I'm quite happy with the team not losing ships left and right all the time. The the kind
0: of items that you have coming into your service, do you ever just scroll through and see, okay, what are people giving us? Is there any weird nonsense that you never expected to land in the high sec buyback, but you ended up getting? Officer modules.
1: Really? That, that happened one or two times. I think we still have an outstanding contract for an officer mod in the domain region uh, where... Jida buy was i think 300 million and jita sell was around 2 billion and there was a okay nice thank you uh but we have all the remaining stuff coming in all the time we have all the mission loot explore loot industrial stuff people are also say selling us capital construction components where probably they figured out that you can turn minerals in something that we pay more for uh, please don't do that. Those are paint Especially not in Isaac islands. Just forget that I ever said that. Um, but then all the way through low tier ships, T2 ships, T3 ships, as I mentioned earlier, we sometimes get full Doctrine hangers uh, up to the way of Orcas and Raiders at this time. So I know. pretty much the whole spectrum. And... We route that all, as I said before, into Perimeter, where we have a bunch of sorting hangers. And there we sort into things like ammo drones and boosters, into ships, into low and mid-slot modules, rigs and high-sec modules, and then industry and a bunch of other stuff as well.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, is there still like a 1000 item per inventory limit in the game?
1: Yeah. I th- yeah, for the uh, corporation hangers, it's 1,500, and for your personal hanger, it's about 1,000, and that can become quite the challenge if you suddenly end up with our record. I think is 13,000 items in the corp delivery hanger, and there you also get to touch a bit on. How do I use my EVE client best in order not to sit here for 20 minutes for waiting all that thing to happen? Because when you move large amounts of items from one hangar to another, most of the time goes for rendering and updating what you see in the EVE client. So uh, I mentioned earlier, we have that uh, consolidation model in from all the stations into various hubs. And we have ALT sitting in all those hubs. For example, in Botana, we also have corporation hangers there so we can just pull all those 11,000 items into hanger 7 click away real fast wait 5 to 10 seconds go back to corporation deliveries do the same with hanger 6 5 4 and so on then you go again through use stack everywhere you try to crunch that smaller 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 before you reach a point where you maybe condense those 11,000 items into 3,000 items spread right over two hangers and then you start crunching out all those uh large red frog and public couriers
2: i imagine you imagine you have a lot of sorting cans in there too uh
1: not that much actually so we use mostly the corporation hangers if we get any hangers we just uh, repackage or reprocess them on site and from there so corporation hangers are our main tool for sorting and compressing items are you guys,
0: so you're you're going to have a crazy amount of various items rolling through. I noticed as an example, you've got um, 100% buyback on Moonor. Is that because you're speculating that come Q4, sorry, Quadrant 4, when the compression comes in, you can compress it and haul it easier and sell it for more? Or are you doing sort of
1: speculative things like that? Oh, we're way too busy to do any speculation so i love watching uh, the os eve stream as usually like ah okay we had that item recently i might have speculated on that but again we have that liquidity thing we need to constantly sell items in order to uh, be able to continue to serve customers uh, the 100 on certain moon ores or even more comes from us calculating moon or based on their reprocessed value which is a thing that comes back from the Brave Newbie times when I was there, when moon ore got introduced and the rates based on gdb for moon ore were really bad. People were complaining. We started to build that into calculate moon ore based on reprocessed rate, and that's pretty much just a leftover from that time because with Q4, we're going to see compressed moon ore and compressed gas, I think. So I hope that makes things easier, that we can strip out uh, the reprocessing based uh, calculation and come back to more standardized streamlined model
2: i guess because you'd have to take into effect like when you talk about reprocessing if you're in high sec eh, you're not going to get 100 percent of it that's for sure but you know you might top out somewhere around the 76 depending on the rigs and skills but yeah that's still taking a loss good call Thing
1: about moon ore is I don't really want to admit that to myself, but I don't have proper reprocessing skills yet and we kind of just use Red frog because they can serve so much uh, cargo, ship that to Jita and just sell it there anyway without reprocessing. So that's still something we need to improve on, but uh, we don't get so much moon ore that this would be a problem financially.
0: What's the, the number one type of stuff? Is it that Explo loot? Is it the, the missing salvage? What's the most common type of item that you get?
1: I would say in terms of what is usually in our contracts, uh, most contracts are rather small, somewhere in the range from 1 to 20 million isk. And that's very often things he would expect from mission running, running combat M anomalies, or doing exploration. But I, I would have to do some proper analysis on that. We're collecting data on like what items are we getting, what are we selling them for, so we have some more options in the future to say, okay, we actually see that we get Tritanium for 40% of its value, we get that to cheetah and we still make a certain profit. So that we could say, we know we're making, let's say, 40% profit on that, we can give that profit back. So that's something we've been starting collect data on since a month or two, and we'll eventually incorporate that into our pricing model so that we can get, we can move away from that strong volume fee that you might see on items like Tritanium, but might also even go above the 90% for other items. For example, if we see we get a Tengu at 90% Jida, we manage to sell that with, let's say, 30% profit in ama all the time, then we can just give back 15% of that profit, for example, ending with a 105% Jida buy rate. You're
0: cutting your margins because you're going to increase the volume of stuff you're getting through. Is um, that a fair assessment or no?
1: I wouldn't uh, consider that from a profit perspective. Like, as I mentioned, the goal is more to keep things liquid, to keep things moving. That would rather be a defensive mechanism against eventual competition. If they say, hey, we're going to jump in the market as well, if they then have to... We had that same example in Brave Newbies back in the time where we also worked with a 90% jitter buy model, then some other corporations said, yeah, we're now doing 95% jitter buy and taking all your traffic. Um, I don't know how that ended. Um, that's just not in the back of my head right now, but knowing that you have some more data in order to say, okay, I can raise it for a couple items to a certain price, I'll still be competing, but knowing that I can do this without actually losing money on certain items. Right. Just keeping,
2: the, keeping the is coming in and out. I, I understand that. Yeah, you gotta keep exactly. it keep it flowing to keep it rolling. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah.
1: So, For the long term, I don't know how long this uh, uh, will take, but we might even consider going to uh, moving the pricing or the rates that we pay out to a rate where we ourselves pretty much flatline our profit. So we have a bunch of expenses to pay for our team that they make some money uh, where we pay advertisers. We have a referral model that we're trying out. But if we manage to find a good pricing where we can give customers back more and more of the isk that they can use us that they can spend more time on what they actually enjoy in eve while our value doesn't decline downwards we would be i think for the long term that would be an idea to raise prices that we offer more and more
0: now, I know we've talked to Hateless Gaming in the past, who's an EVE streamer, does a lot of stuff with like new players and specifically Triglavian hunting, and he mentioned he had a bit of a deal with you guys to ensure that he always had a way to sell all of his Triglavian loot, even in the insane volumes that he was getting. Is that a, a common thing, something that you're expanding, where people who have just large supplies of various particular types of goods are reaching out to you to make sure they always have a way to offload that?
1: Yeah, we experimented with a couple of people, for example, Hateless Gaming on that. Um, however, our experience hasn't been too good on that side because it was just like an experiment that we were running, which required much more operational effort. If we just offer our standard rates through our calculator, you always get that certain price. It is always checkable by our uh, backend system running and verifying those contracts whereas these custom agreements take a bit more effort you have your your team must know about those special contracts that the bot might flag but that they can still accept those uh you want to keep track of um if you have an agreement to for example buy certain assets at 100 Gita buy can i actually sell them for more or am i running a loss there and then we also get into situations where with those custom agreements where they pile up assets for a longer and longer time and that when you eventually want to sell them there's not much uh, not enough buy power for that price that it has recently been priced at because currently our buying uh, pricing model just looks at the top buy price but doesn't take into account if that's just like a thousand items and from one of those custom agreements you might get 10 million items So I remember with some Triglavian modules uh, or items, we um, repeatedly drove prices into the ground because we got like, I don't know how much it was, 40,000 zero condensate databases, that item doesn't exist, that's just made up by one of them, and it took rather a long time to actually get rid of them while we had liquidity issues on the other side. So we moved away from these custom agreements again, saying, okay, we unfortunately can't sustain that. It's taken an operational and maybe is toil on us. So we're moving back to having one standard rate for everyone that goes through our calculator.
0: I'm, I'm curious as far as how patch days impact you guys. For for market speculators and for even just general PVEers. Patch days or when new events come out are times to make esk. It's times when the prices on things are going to be inflated because they're they're new, they're harder to get, or people just haven't had the time to get them. Do you make more money on patch days because of that? Because you have just a massive source for all of these goods? Or do you lose it because all of it stockpiles and you can't sell it before the prices drop?
1: I have literally no clue on that in one way or another. we i just have j assets we have that red line of the total value if that goes up i'm happy if it goes sideways i get confused and suspicious um so patch days themselves don't impact us too much except from that last one where they suddenly said hey you now pay three times the taxes like hmm, i might have wanted to sell off before that but That's how it is. Um, One thing that recently impacted us was uh, when isotopes and ice products spiked really strong first and then totally crashed down afterwards. Uh, That spike showed up a bit in our uh, uh, total value, rising a bit more slowly, but we didn't know at that time because it somewhat correlated also with the time when we started running ads on talking and stations. So I thought, ah, okay, that's probably more customers coming in. And then we had a situation that was interesting in September. Um, I was on vacation for two weeks. I didn't have my own laptop for a while because it was in repair and so on. So only after a month, I got back to running JEV assets on that machine again. And what I saw was that for the whole of September, the red line was just flat. So usually it goes up and accelerates a bit, and then it was just flat. And then you start wondering, okay, where does that come from? Um, did something break? Did some API break? What happened with the items in-game? Until uh, at some point we stumbled upon ICE products showing this strong downwards trend and we still had so much of them because people just dumped that on us and we weren't able to process them quickly enough. So that was a thing where market trends really impacted us. Patch days themselves? Not so much.
3: Oh yeah, that that ice stuff, I'm very happy I got all the ice I needed to move out of Delft before it really shot up. Because the day after I bought the ice I had, it was vastly more expensive.
1: Yeah, I think it went up by like three or four times the normal price. Man, that
0: is like, there's so much to the, the scale, the volume that you're handling, the tech behind the scenes, it's still that you're running this whole thing, but your main focus is limiting you and your team's input into it. If I were to try and run this project just thinking about it, I would think what I want to do is maximize the stuff that I'm doing so that I'm increasing my margins on everything. But with you guys, it's very much your margins are going to be fine you care about not burning yourselves out, about reducing the amount of work you have to do per transaction so you can increase the number of transactions. It's just that kind of scale is not something I'm used to.
1: I have to also admit that we had a long time to learn this. So as I mentioned, we started in August 2020 and it's been very slow for a long time. And sometimes we had a contract, sometimes we didn't have a contract on a day, and we were not at that point yet where we handle hundreds of contracts in a in a single day. And then it was much easier to really look into all those items, make sure that we use the best pricing everywhere. before it got to a scale where things uh, really started growing, more people noticed. And we had to find other ways like just stuffing everything into a corp delivery, uh, corp hangers in Perimeter based on some filters and just scratching off the top of the items. Um, I remember one or two hangers in Perimeter. We have, I think it is mid and high slot modules. We have 40 billion worth in items sitting there. And I usually just. Create couriers from Perimeter to Gita for items where the stacks are worth more than 100 million. And just try to let those items pile up and be efficient with the time you actually spend on it. Because if you create couriers every single day for an hour, that gives you incentive to not do that so much anymore. It, stops be, it becomes very repetitive after a time. So that's where this drive to uh, remove operational toil comes from.
2: Had an interesting question pop out of, uh, out of their chat. Wanting to know if you all take investments uh, to the program itself uh, or to your corp as far as you know, buying in assets and pay out some of the profits over time or anything in that vein.
1: Uh, yeah, I can touch on some internal uh, reward streams that we have. So I mentioned earlier, we have holders who get a certain collateral-based rewards on their couriers, plus a daily, weekly, and monthly bonus. And earlier on, we also started a little share program where we took in, I think, 20 billion of ISK, and all of those shareholders are in our core team right now. So we use that as a way to just continue rewarding them for being around, helping with the service and so on probably worth way more than uh what they initially put in but that's something that's fine um we just keep that rolling to uh, show appreciation for the uh, effort put in but apart from that we have not had to take further isk from outside yet uh, i myself i put in about 100 billion isk
2: which we had, I to, had to get it awesome. rolling yep
1: uh, the 100 billion is I got them from an EVE meet event in Berlin, I think, where I won. What's this third ship from Sanchez Nation called? The Super uh, Revenant. Revenant? Yeah, the Revenant. Got that, sold it because I couldn't fly it myself. And that's really where the isk for this operation came from.
2: Hey, it's a great startup isk at that point. So that's pretty cool.
1: Uh, not so much recently. Uh, we sometimes get skill extractors or so. But I remember one person who I repeatedly told, hey, stop doing that, just use the Plex vault to move it over to Jita," who sent us like 1,000 or 2,000 Plex each month. And See, that also... was why
0: I asked, is because I'm like, if you accept a contract for Plex and it goes into a character hanger, it just goes straight into your your Plex vault. So I'm wondering if you guys like lost or misplaced a bunch of value in Plex, because it landed up in some <laughs> alt Plex
1: vault. Um, if I were to misplace plex or is somewhere i might not want to admit that here on stream uh not that i know of Um, you can accept contracts as corporation so they go into your corporation deliveries from there i did move it to my personal plex vault in order to move it over to cheetah redeem it there and then directly sell it off for corporation transactions again to this point i didn't misplace too much yet (laughs)
0: Man, I learned so much about the service. There's even more that we could probably talk about from the tech side of things, which is well over my head. But I'm still I want to dive into it a little tiny bit Your pricing model that you've described a little bit. That's another piece of tech behind this. Is there any other sort of core moving part that you had to develop or build to make this whole thing function? Or are those really the two biggest components?
1: Um. So I have a habit of just building more and more tools left and right and trying to solve smaller bigger problems. And thanks for that reminder. Um, so we have the core website, which you as a customer see, which is running again on a solution that allows us to use multiple subdomains for different buybacks. So we can support something like lowsec.eve buyback and Eve buyback. Uh, the, the idea initially for the architecture came from me trying to build a solution where I can profit from buybacks that are run by other people by myself just providing the website. Uh, Just like a provider like Shopify would do, where you pay them to have yourself a website so that you can sell your stuff and they just provide the website. Um, Behind that website, we have uh, some appraisal logic where we take those items that you sent us through the calculator send them over to Eve prazel and Janice to get some proper pricing idea. Then we have a bunch of other logic that we apply ourselves, like volume fees, or depend, or sometimes items have very interesting price movements recently, where we go, fall back to using uh, Eve's API to get an idea about the last thirty-day median price. That's what we used to combat this scam i mentioned earlier about putting up fake buy orders a couple of checks like is this actually in HiSec? is this something uh is this an orca in a highsec island that we can't even ship out so those are some contracts where we have special rules um which go through one of these systems where we then generate discord notifications for our team and automated eve mails to our customers saying hey you put up a contract that doesn't contain items. Maybe not do that. Um, the other way around as well, we sometimes have customers who forget to set the price. That's also where instantly, or at least in the time that we, our API gets to check the contract, if it sees, hey, they set a 0 is price, we send a mail out, hey, please cancel that contract. It doesn't have a price. So we try to be very transparent there to not accept 0 is contracts because that's where scams would come from. And we had to put in a significant effort of um, teaching people that if you set a proper price on a contract, you're not going to be scammed. If that price reflects properly what the item's value is. If you put a zero is contract, then you get scammed.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I remember one time when I was setting up a pu- PushX uh, courier contract and I forgot to set collateral, so I got an, a message a couple minutes later telling me to cancel it
1: yeah i think that's the best way to do it just say hey um not accept it and send the later, but just uh, reject it immediately if possible and so with that with these automated mails usually when we check contracts all of them are fine because if there has been something wrong customers usually fix it themselves already so that's the pipeline to getting all those contracts uh, coming our way and then we have a bunch of uh we have an application running on the side that does metrics recording like chase, okay what kind of contracts did we accept how much have they been worth how much turnover do we have per week or so so that we know okay what would that four week goal be to suppliers for a certain time and For accepting contracts, we also pay out our team internally with a certain percentage per contract that they accept, where we start to generate certain income streams for people working with this operation. The courier bonuses are funneled to a balance sheet that we recently set up. Because if you have those uh, contract accepting rewards, you have query bonuses, you have referral programs that all generate some kind of payout stream, or you have advertisements that you run somewhere, you need to pay those people. And those became like 10 payouts uh, we had to do per day. So we funneled that into something where it would pile up like the in-game wallet in our website, and then we just do one big payout as a bunch. So those are some of the applications that we have running there. And what we've been toying with recently as well is to have some kind of script that goes over all the stations in EVE where we have assets, piles that up, figures out what are the top value stations, then tries to figure out what kind of uh, couriers should we create. Is this a large one that we can directly send from, let's say, Midori right to Perimeter because that's more efficient than sending it to Amar first and then sending a courier upwards again where uh, there's also a new tool that you folks can use. Um, Artemis, do you wanna bring that up on stream? Did I send you the link before? I think you sent me the link, but it's gonna take me
0: a minute to link it to Nick so that he can bring it up on stream. While I do that, you wanna describe what we're gonna be seeing?
2: Well, yes. actually, um, actually, one question from the field while he's pulling that up, uh, one of the folks asked, if you do contracts from player-owned stations, and I thought the answer was no, but I'll, I'll let you get on
1: it. Yes, we accept contracts from player-owned stations. They have to be public to anyone in Eve, but we have uh, automated checks on that. So we have some secret OPSEC secret characters sitting around uh, where no one knows the name that we use to check if that station is actually accessible. And if it's accessible then we take the contract even from player on stations wow awesome okay so we've got this
0: haul eve hauling advisor up what does this do exactly
1: um that's pretty much a front end that takes things like your origin and destination where you want to send something so it looks at how big is that contract how much is it worth and then for you ask red frog black frog purple frog Galactic Holdings Solutions and PushX what their prices are and returns that to you so that you can quickly compare that with one another. Um, yeah, sending something from Aden to your other favorite HiSec system. Nick is going through and putting
0: in the numbers here and it's, it's just like the, the HiSec buyback website where it's very streamlined, very simple. I'm expounding on it for the audio listeners, but just four boxes, where are you at, where are you going, how much is it worth and how big is it? Click calculate, and now we get some info.
1: Yeah, we had that be very much inspired by the Red Frog and Push calculators. Uh, Red Frog, especially around making the drop down so quick, that's where we put in a lot of effort. And from Push, we stole the idea of having some small buttons where you can just write one point five, press on billion, and then expands to one point five billion. So you, sorry so you yourself don't have to press the zero nine times and maybe mess that up as i managed to do in the past as well and as we see on three, on screen you now see all those providers what their rates would be um keep in mind this can't really keep track with um, special offers that services put out maybe that data is also wrong the service will tell you about that um we're trying to have reasonable caching for certain providers If you get that NAN error, that's something I still need to fix. Uh, That's usually when you put something in that is not a number. So you can write 1.5. The B shows up as an NAN, which stands for not a number in the future, but I didn't fix that today yet. So I hope this this tour gets you an idea of which provider might be the best one for wherever you hold your stuff from A to B. Um, Our need for this came from uh, getting an API, which can do the same thing. So we can just um, call one API that gives us back the result. Okay, which is the cheapest provider output that for creating couriers way faster compared to us having to click through that, put in all the details, put uh, calculate how much something is worth and then get the right amount at the end. Because the simplest way to create a courier for us is to just have a start system, an end system, a reward, and a collateral, and then you just create the courier. And very often we don't even see what is in those contracts. We just have assets. We send that around, and that's it.
0: I tell you one thing: like you may not have thought of it yet, but this is a huge advertising opportunity, especially if it starts to be used by a lot of the ETH population. Like I knew about Red Frog. I knew about PushX. But all the rest of these groups, I had no idea they existed. So it very much could have been the case where I checked Red Frog's website, I checked PushX site, whichever one's cheaper, I go with them. But now I have all these other options I didn't know existed. And now I'm providing them a service if I'm just using this for hauling and not necessarily to for your purposes on an internal tool, but just externally for the Eve community, for me as a customer or for any of these other hauling groups that aren't those big two, like this is a fantastic opportunity
2: yeah and i'm yes. looking at that and i'm thinking to myself okay as that little guy who likes to sell stuff to uh high-sec buyback i look at that and i'm going well i'd have to pay these guys x to move it for me to Jita, but then i still have to go there and sell it myself how the heck with that <laughs> i'm selling it to high buyback
1: yeah it really depends on where you're moving stuff from one place to another This tool is still pretty dumb. There there may be rules that we haven't incorporated yet, so some of your queries might still get rejected. If you learn about some rule that is not correct here in the tool, just shout at me and I'll try to build it in. If some prices are off, shout at me, I'll try to build that in. And even if you start your own service and want to have that featured here, just let me know. I mentioned earlier here Galactic Hoarding Solutions, which I found to the forum, which is a jump freighter service that existed for six years, I think, already. I haven't seen that one before I tried to build this tool and incorporate all those services. Wow,
0: that's pretty awesome. Man, any any final thoughts on these tools that you've built? Anything that we miss when we're going through the high-sec buyback? There's just so much to talk about.
3: Have you
1: just have send you us ever thought stares. about
3: the policy of, po- the possibility of using
1: we, we thought about that um but haven't been able to find a way to say okay because people sell us certain things in certain location, that's also what they would buy there considering an idea of again building up a new delivery service which goes the other way around so currently use data stuff you set us stuff, and we bring it to Jeta. But as we already have all those couriers moving back and forth, we could also do it the other way around. We buy stuff in Jita and get it back to you wherever you are. We're playing with our idea. Um, there's still a bunch of coding work to be done to figure that out properly to set up new websites to get it uh, into a better stage. Maybe you will see something around that early next year. Maybe not. If you want to start that service yourself and be faster than us, please do. Like, we'll be happy to join in on holding those couriers around, helping you so that our chips don't run empty. And yeah, from that point out, it would be really interesting to say, okay, how do you set up a certain system that you can provide jita based prices all around HiSEC without having to go for 50 jumps? And that gets interesting. Do you use that data you get from what do people want in certain locations to start doing... Um, supply runs between different hubs. So you could say, okay, I see that people in the Kadoa region are regionally uh, very often using Mekinos down there. There's a certain price difference. Maybe I'm just going to send 50 Mekinos down there to put them into the AMAR hub, so that folks who then fulfill those delivery orders can just buy it in AMAR instead for roughly the same price you would get it in JITA. So those are some interesting ideas one could play with, but we're not there yet.
2: Another question out of the field, um, where, you know, from the chat, one of the folks was asking, like, say you have somebody join, but can't afford the collateral on a particular contract. Well, generally you just can't accept it at that point. If you don't have the collateral, do you help out any of your newer haulers initially, or how's that work for y'all?
1: Um, we haven't had to do that yet so most of uh, the internal couriers are between 100 million and 500 million so that's something you can get to as a player just starting out yourself so we're not doing the 10 billion couriers that much internally Um, but honestly at this stage we could just give people 200 million when they join uh, so they can run some couriers and if they run away with it it wouldn't hurt either
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. I just thought it was a good question out of the, out of the chat. Wanted to just see how we handled it.
1: Yeah. Please don't join and scam us. Like, I just said that and realized. Oh. <laughs> Let's see how that works out.
3: Yeah, that was my immediate thought. Someone's
0: going to try scamming you.
2: It goes back to the whole trust issues in Eve. Now, yeah,
0: I absolutely get it. The, the whole idea of both the internal haulers and also the people creating contracts, it reminds me a lot of the way it used to be discussed about working with EveBet or the other like Eve Casino type deals back when they were still like not against the EULA, where you had people who would say, hey, I'm a banker for I want ISK or what have you. I don't PVE I don't Crab, I just spend two hours sending ISK to people who won ISK on the website and that's how I make my money. I feel like there's an opportunity here where somebody isn't an I want isc banker, they're a high sec buyback contract creator or contract acceptor, where they just log into the game for a few hours, create all these contracts, generating money for you and therefore income for themselves.
1: Yeah, we have, uh, our core team does that already, accepting contracts whenever they're around or our Discord bot says, hey, we have a new contract, yada, yada um Bit different from those uh, betting services that the contracts have a certain price already, and you have to have certain roles in order to accept that contract. And to do that for cooperation, you have to also have access to a certain wallet. We previously played around with the idea of letting people use their own ISK, but that got into some weird. Um, it got a bit complicated because you just end up again with. Corporation contracts where people need to click five times and you haven't gotten any further. Um, About creating couriers and contracts from our corporation assets to, let's say, public couriers, that's still the huge uh, trust issue that I personally have about making corporation deliveries accessible all across New Eden to that particular person. It would be nice to have some kind of deferred payout way. We thought about that as well hey maybe we get those contracts we accept them for zero isc and we send the ISK later. but that's not a path we want to take because that sounds like a scam all
0: right any other final thoughts things we missed
2: last chance for the folks in chat get it out there get a question
0: in throw out your tinfoil hat how am i going to scam high sec buyback so you can shoot it down or prep for it yes. depending on the circumstances Keep
1: it challenging and interesting for us.
0: Man, I I really appreciate you coming on and and talking about this with us, Rehan, because what I expected out of this show was to hear that you you have like this internalized and you guys are doing all the hauling and it's more of a you need to let more people know about the service that more people use it and you're limited on the volume side of things. I did not expect you to be limited on the people to... Accept or send out contracts or to haul things, and that you're making up a large portion of the volume of like Red Frog or Push X or what have you. Like, that is at a scale that I was just not prepared for, even coming into this knowing that HiSec buyback is wildly successful.
1: It was fun to be on. I'll be happy to repeat this in the future, maybe when we get to a point that we uh, make uh, our internal statistics public or maybe go into a deeper session on what kind of code powers this whole thing.
0: That would be awesome. Indeed.
1: Yeah, I, I liked hearing about how your
3: your focus is, tr- is setting it up to keep yourself from burning out. That would yeah. seem like a really good really way to do it. it.
2: That's really smart. And, and the other thing I like about it is we've been doing this continuing series on EVE Industry And everybody forgets transportation and logistics is a huge part of EVE industry. So this really fits in nicely.
0: Well, speaking of things that have been happening on TIS, we didn't have an industry show this week, but we did have some other things going on. In case you missed it, last Sunday, we had the Novice Frigate Yearbook with Sky, and don't be fooled by the term novice, that's just a reference to what the sites are called in Faction Warfare. The pilots who are flying these ships, and particularly the pilots who are analyzing the data, are far from novice, they are in fact experts. Then on Tuesday, it was patch day. We had the release of the Concord Rogue Analysis Beacons, which are the new capital ratting sites. So there's some good discussion there, as well as the tax changes, which Rihan alluded to, cutting into his profits there. Sorry, bud. Um, so some sure. good discussions and stuff to check out, as well as uh, the stream schedule for the Alliance Tournament was announced. Then on Wednesday, we had some interesting news and coverage of the war, which we're going to get an update to here in a few minutes. Looking at some fights between Wrecking Crew and Fire Coalition, as well as a look into Great Wildlands and some other things about taxes and industry. And then rounding out the week on Thursday, we had a follow-up show to our Pochfin coverage. So it must have been two weeks ago where we had the Pochfin papers on and we were talking about the insane amounts of ISK that were being generated from these high-end PVE sites in the Pochfin region and how just wildly vast amounts of income were being generated. And some of the people who were generating that income decided to stop on by and talk about the other side, talk about the danger and the risk and how the risk side of the risk versus reward calculation plays out. And it got a little bit heated at the end there. So now, that it, should be it, dropping on YouTube here pretty soon. Nick, you were there for that show, Yeah, you? it was
2: not heated. It was spicy. You know, you had two... You know, you had Murray from Roque Capel living there in Pochman. then you had uh, Fuston, who had done a lot of the math background work to look at it, and they are looking at the same thing but coming from very different areas. So it was a spirited discussion, and uh, I liked it.
0: <laughs> spirited, okay. I don't. I mean, spicy and spicy and heated, I think, are the same. But spirited, I like that term. All right. Well, speaking of spirited discussions, I can't wait to see the kind of discussion we're going to get in the YouTube comments on this when we start going through war updates and crab updates and all the stuff I like to do with looking at ZKill and Dotland and things like that. Oh, yeah. And yesterday, an announcement
3: was made, which relates to a a guest we had previously on one of our shows several months ago.
0: Oh, you want to walk us through what was that?
3: So several months ago... Rocket X made an announcement that
2: more comes out on that that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I saw the I saw the post and I saw the random snippet of Discord, but whenever I see Discord screenshots, I am highly highly suspicious of them because it is unfortunately relatively simple to fake screenshots in Discord just with nicknames and changing colors and private servers and stuff. So we'll we'll have to do some more digging and see what we can confirm or yeah, that's what more confirmed. info we can it, get here. Yeah, that's, that's been, been confirmed. confirmed. All right. Well, that is quite the interesting development of that story. What sort of impact do we think this is going to have on the morale and the war going down in the South? And I'll, I'll frame this question by giving a bit of background for those who may have been out of the loop. Recently, there's been a war going on in the South eastern quadrant of the map, specifically focused in Amensi and Teneriffus, we've had guests from both sides of the war on, and recently the developments have been that Dreadbombs specifically on the Wrecking Crew and Army of mango side began pulling back from their staging systems in Amensi, and in fact they lost their staging Fortazar in that region, and have been focusing more of their efforts on the Teneriffus area. I'm wondering if this change to or update to rather the spy situation going on in wrecking crew has dampened their fighting spirit even more or given a rallying cry to fire coalition in any way
3: i don't think it's going to make a huge difference on the rc side massively and the rogue consortium is no longer as significant of an alliance as it was uh, due to other leadership, be- people ha- being busy with real life and some other things, they used to be the coalition's main subcapital force, but they're not quite what that anymore.
2: Also, I-, I imagine if this was because this uh, kick was months and months ago. If it was more fresh, I think the wound would hurt more. To like, oh damn, we didn't mean to do that. This was long enough ago. Heck and Eve. If it's forty-five days ago, it's ancient history, dang near.
3: Yeah, they've fair enough. They've changed massively over, over the past uh, six months, and even more massively over the
0: past two years. And I'm sure more changes will be coming as we see changes happening to the solve map as well. I think the most interesting region to look at. Amensi is worth mentioning because it's sort of stabilizing under the control of Fire Coalition. But Tenerifus has still got this strange duality of ownership, where if you look at the iHub ownership in the filters on Dotland, you'll take a look and it looks like, oh, OK, so XIX, members of FireCo, they look like they own a good portion of the region. And you've got a bunch of unowned space up in the the western, the northwestern part with a little bit of Dreadbomb owning there. Then if you swap it over to TCUs, the map like changes entirely. Suddenly it looks like AOM owns half the map and Dreadbomb owns the other half. And there are a few little smatterings of other things. It's just rather amusing the way it almost completely flips the way the map looks, just depending on the filter you look at as far as ownership of the soft structures. It is worth mentioning from a strategic perspective, IHUB ownership is far more valuable. In fact, almost the entire value of Saab is found in the IHUB versus the TCU, which is mostly a flag. So uh, for strategic value of ownership of space, it seems like FireCo still holds most of that in the Teneriffus region, but there's a lot of space up in that Northwestern quadrant, as we mentioned, that's got no IHUB in it. And Dreadbomb owns the TCUs, so we'll have to see if they're able to clutch it out and expand their holdings in terms of the I-hubs in those systems. Moving beyond that area of space, we've also got the other war going on in EVE right now. a caddy corner to this, so this Fireco, AOM, Dreadbomb, Wrecking Crew, that sort of conflict is down in the southeast. Up in the Northwest, we've got the invasion of pure blind happening and an adjacent conflict going on in Declan, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. And slowly emphasis on slowly, especially in comparison to the stuff going down in the South, expanding their influence in uh, pure blind. So they started out a few weeks ago and they took about two systems per week has been the pace. But now it seems they've stabilized and conquered the what used to be the Flying Dangerous constellation down in the southeast of the Pure Blind map. And they're going to be expanding out from there. But they've got iHubs, they've got TCUs in one system, QTech 5 which I guess now is their staging system. They've got Fortasars and such in there. And it'll be interesting to watch where they go from here. They've definitely been having a much stronger resistance than I expected. And I'm personally rooting for Brave. I'm wearing the team colors, so to speak. So I'm surprised. Props to the Pure Blind residents for putting up that much of a that much of a resistance. But I'm sure Brave are having a maximized fun per hour if I can put my spin onto it. So that's pretty cool to see.
2: Well, two things up there. If you look at who's next to them, Banderlogs, which is mainly a Russian alliance, so you got a little time zone thing happening there. Plus, Banderlogs are no slouches. You know, they don't make a lot of noise, they don't talk a lot of crap, but they are very efficient at uh, fighting for their space. So that that's going to be it's going to be fun.
3: Uh, Banderlogs have been living in braves uh desk new home system that they're taking for years so they definitely have a lot of stuff that's in there in the npc stations that they can put out a protracted fight if they want to even if they're overwhelmed by numbers
2: yeah because they've been there uh, at least since 2018 when i was living in fade because we'd run over and shoot at each other once in a while
0: so they've been around internal drama within the GTC, the Greater Trash Coalition, which is headed up mostly by Volta, but you've also got uh, toilet paper and some other pure blind alliances within it. And specifically what occurred is .rhp. They have a crazy long alliance name that I can never remember, but they had some drama where they were teaming up with Banderlogs to fight Brave. Um, this went against coalition sort of objectives. And various people were shooting blue fleets and entosing blue SAV on both sides. Both GTC was shooting RHP and RHP was entosing some GTC SAV all while the standings were still blue. It was a whole big mess. But at the end result, it looks like GTC is essentially getting evicted from Declan, or not GTC, RHP. So they had a bunch of assets specifically in terms of citadels, lots of industrial Citadels. They were mostly an industrial sort of renter type alliance. And if you look at ZKILL for Declan, you're just going to see Citadel after Citadel after Citadel dying, huge amounts of of value being lost there, in addition to the SAV, which is slowly being taken over with, again, an emphasis on the iHub's first. Volta is taking those over up in the, the north of Declan. I'd be interested to see once it all gets conquered what happens to that space are they going to install some renters Do they have some people looking to live there is rhp going to continue a protracted fight and try to retake it or are they just going to move out we'll have to keep an eye on it but it is a curious wrinkle to keep an eye on and if you're looking to get some juicy kill mills for your killboard, just head up there and Note down on your notepad some of the timers and get on those Citadel kills. Yeah, RHP yeah, I... is interesting because for years
3: now they've been making agreements with the local powers to stay there.
2: Like they've been. Yeah, and, uh, RHP, Federation of Respect, Honor, Passion Alliance, just so get that out. But I swapped the map over to the TCU side and you can see pretty much this whole north and uh, west side was theirs. When I swap it to the iHub side, they ain't got a, They they still have some up. They still got this uh, main star constellation, but they've lost dang near all of the here, and the one on the far left. So it's been uh, been a rough week for them.
0: A rough week indeed. Um, I mean, it's sad to see. No, it's not sad to see. I'm I'm happy. I'm sorry, RHP. I'm sorry, any other group who I happen to be talking about because they're losing. But in any conflict, somebody's going to lose. And I'm just happy to see the conflict is taking place. And conflict is taking place around the map. We've got these two hotbeds that we talked about. The war going on, RC, AOM, Fireco. The war going on up in the other quadrant between Brave and the residents of Pureblind. But then we've also got lots of conflict and lots of ship dying around the map. Um, Specifically, I always like to look at Roracle kill boards to see, okay, are Roracles still dying? Are we in a healthy place of risk versus reward? And we are still seeing that. I love that we're seeing a variety of ships and fleet types killing Roracles. So you've got the initiative Kikimura Ball of Death rolling around with 100 plus killing Roracles everywhere. Then you've got even down to like 10 to 20 dudes killing Roracles out in Cobalt Edge up to... 40-man fleet of BLOPS battleships killing, again, Warcols and Cobalt Edge. So it's, it's nice to see that Warcols aren't invincible under super capital umbrellas, and they're able to be killed by different kinds of fleets, which means that conflict is available to different kinds of groups and players, which is cool to see. Of course, something I'm sure many of you have been keeping an eye on since the C.R.A.B. modules, the Concord Rogue Analysis Beacons have launched, are gonna be the kills for other capital ships, specifically carriers and dreadnoughts, which can launch and link to these new capital ratting sites in order to unlock the ISK that come with the rats and the loot that happens afterwards. I've been trying to keep an eye on it to see if there's a large increase in the number of capitals dying or getting on kills as a result of this, and I'm not seeing anything definitive right now. There are definitely capitals running these sites, There are definitely capitals dying as a result of running these sites. But I can't quite tell where that impact is going to land. Are we on an upward trend or are people just trying this out? And then they're realizing, well, it's not really worth the risk. We just don't know yet. As with any new PVE, there's going to be a bit of a time where the player base is learning the meta, learning the best strategies, seeing how to optimize for it. And we'll just have to wait and see how that shakes out. But at the very least, with these new crab sites, the the way that the mechanics shake out, you have to have a capital on-grid vulnerable in space for a certain amount of time before you can extract the massive amount of visc from it. So at the very least, there are going to be more and more capital ships vulnerable in space to be attacked or to participate in PvP, which I am personally a fan of.
3: Yeah, people have been using uh, roar qualls and running... It- Activating the beacons in belts and then panicking,
0: then running the sites in a Marauder, though. Wait, can you activate them with Rorquals? I thought Rorquals were not on the allowed list. Well, I, I keep hearing about running it in a Rorqual, so in a belt and then panicking. And see if that is a thing. Um, that is something that came to my mind initially, but last I checked the module description, it was specifically carriers, dreadnoughts, supercarriers, and titans which were allowed. Oracle's weren't included, but maybe there's some filter there that was missed by CCP because that sounds yeah, crazy I, broken. As soon as I heard about that, I... It's, it's always fun to look at the new rats that are involved and look at the kill mails that they've gotten. Um, one thing to note when you're seeing the, the crab modules themselves, Concord Rogue Analysis Beacons, if they're dying to the NPCs, that means that they failed to run the site. So with these Concord Rogue Analysis beacons, you launch it, you link to it, and then rats will come in, effectively warp into you and try to kill this beacon or kill you. And you have to kill the rats fast enough that the beacon has time to process. Anytime it's being shot at by the rats, it's not going to process or rather that rats are on grid. It's not going to process. You have to clear the field fast enough and for long enough for it to finish its cycle and give you a payout of loot at the end. So if we're seeing a lot of these beacons dying to rats specifically, it means that whoever's trying to run them is not being successful. And one funny thing I did see, um, it happened in Kavala Expanse, was you just have a bunch of Kikimorhas all dying at once to the rats, which I find is hilarious. Oh yeah, that is, I know exactly what happened there. They kill someone and
3: then they got overpowered by the rats. I just know exactly what happened by seeing the kill bell.
0: And I I even, I looked up the system to see if a capital did die, but it looks like unfortunately for initiative in this drop, they didn't manage to kill the target. So they did kill eventually the the Concord Rogue Analysis Beacon itself, but the rats meant that um, it was not a positive ISK trade for them, but they've killed plenty of Roraquils and capitals outside of this. So I, I think they're probably still happy. All righty, we had a question in chat, not sure why Titans, that will, what will they smart bomb the site question mark? Uh, great question, and I think what you're referring to there is that Titans can't fit the high angle weapons, haws anymore, yeah, so they wouldn't hard, be as
3: effective. Hard red knots seem to be generally considered the best way to run the site. Titans can activate the beacon, but I don't think it's a good idea to run one in a Titan.
0: I would love to see, though, a bunch of smart bombing Titans. Delve used to be known for, like, the smart bombing, or I guess it was Declan before it was Delve, for the smart bombing Titan gate camps because Titans, their model is so large that the effective area of the smart bombs becomes larger. I wonder if that would be a good way to, to really farm ISK from these sites if you're confident you can protect your Titans. Oh, yeah. I, one time I was uh, on
3: a... Blob's stealth bomber fleet in Delve, and then as soon as I took the bridge, I bridged on to Smart Bombing Titan.
0: I was also on a bomber's bar fleet where that happened. Okay, well, that's the the look around the map. We checked in with a couple of storylines we've been following in the past with a couple of wars. We took a look around the map. And Z kill to see what's been going on in terms of where to look going forward. If you're a PVP, or looking to get in on some content, or maybe you're looking to join a group which is actively embroiled in conflict. Now you know where to look. Definitely seems like the game is pretty active from a PVP side of things. Also from an industry side of things, we're seeing lots of activity spinning back up. We just had a fantastic conversation with Rehan from Highsec Buyback. Um, as well as conversations in the previous weeks about industry in general. Uh, Abby's been doing a fantastic job with that series with Shan and Ren and the other two guys. So thanks to all of them. Coming up in the, in the coming weeks on Talking Stations, we're going to have lots more interesting content. So make sure that you're following us on Twitch or subscribed on YouTube. We also are publishing the Sunday shows to the podcast again on Spotify. So keep an eye out there. Other final thoughts for the show? Things that we missed or things that we don't want to let slip behind? Well,
2: today is the last day of EVE Vegas, so folks are probably recovering, starting to head home today. So I'm, with any luck, we'll get some, uh, some pictures and some stories out of it.
0: Indeed. And they even I think the, one, the biggest thing from EVE Vegas from the dev side of things was that changes to the EVE sound and the way engines sound, which I do want to plug again the mass test coming up this Tuesday. Definitely make sure you check in with that. It's going to be cool to get a preview of the content coming in, maybe hear the sound that Eve has to offer for the first time ever. Um, But make sure you read the rules as Nick mentioned. Of Talking stations, at least this Sunday episode, We'll see you again on Tuesday. Once again, a massive thank you, Rehan. You shared a bunch of insight to us. A lot of new things that I just wasn't expecting, even though I feel like I knew more about high-sec buyback than many of our listeners probably did before this show. So your time, as well as to our panelists, Nick Bison and Gregorin, as well as to you, dear listener. Thank you for your time. I hope you enjoyed the show.